This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. And I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. I'll be with you uh, on Friday. Uh, Excuse me, on Monday as well. Today is Friday. I'll be with you on Monday as well, sitting in for Rob. Love to have you join me. 1-800-922-6680. Coming up in half an hour, David Whited will be be joining us. He is a Hunter Biden case specialist. So um, I didn't know they existed, so I'm very excited to speak with him. And uh, last hour, Hans von Spakovsky will be with us to talk about Trump's land fraud problem. He uh, does have a problem there. We've been we're talking. And by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. Uh, feel free to do that. And also, I do have a podcast on Tuesdays. On uh, it's live on YouTube and Getter. We've been getting a lot of people leaving comments and joining in because you can do that if you watch it live. So we're having a lot of fun with that. Just go to YouTube or Getter. Look for Mary Walter Radio. You can watch old episodes on uh, YouTube and also the audio is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Again, look for Mary Walter Radio. And Mondays, uh, you can normally, unless we get bombed or something happens, find me on the Chris Salcedo Show with Michael Reagan. They do Mondays with Mike and Mary between 4.30 and 5 o'clock. Eastern time. All right. So talking about this impeachment inquiry, and we were just playing what Marjorie Taylor Greene had to say, and she was one of the few who brought up something that I think should have been brought up, because a lot of people have been asking, you know, Hunter Biden doesn't get charged with prostitution, right? That doesn't happen. But she brought up the Mann Act. She she says she asked the question of why isn't Hunter Biden being prosecuted for under the Mann Act for human trafficking, for bringing women. And some of them are believed to be young girls. I don't know if they know that across state lines or into the country for the purpose of sex, for the purpose of prostitution. Why isn't that happening? And of course, David Weiss, being in charge of prosecuting Hunter Biden, just didn't didn't do that. And the DOJ isn't answering questions from the oversight committee. They want answers, and they're still protecting Hunter Biden. And she called them out. I would think that everyone would be against trafficking women, who a lot of them are sex slaves, across state lines or into the country for the purpose of prostitution against their will. Even if it's even if they're agreeable to it, it, it's it's human trafficking. Why isn't everybody against this? That to me is shocking, and it's really sad, really sad. And they apparently have talked to some of the witnesses. One eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero. I'll bring you some more uh, with Jonathan Turley uh, coming up. But first, let's go to Tony in Woodlawn. Tony, you're on the Rob Carson Show. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, listen, I have a question. Okay. Since we're talking about this Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden fiasco or whatever, how is it any different from sitting Congress people who just doing the same outrageous things, but they won't, you know, they won't, they won't check themselves, but they want to check 
just regular Americans? Well, are, if, if you can show me a congressperson who has been uh, charged with human trafficking I, no, for the no, purpose no, no, of prostitution, no, no. yeah, I, I would love I would love to no, know that. No, no. I'm trying to make the point about just criminality in general. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I do I think there's insider trading going on with members of Congress? A hundred percent. And I do think members of Congress are hypocrites when it comes to that. We know how everybody got everybody got over during the PPP loan situation. They they got Congress people in movie theaters practically performing uh, traits of a prostitute. No, you don't. They don't have nothing to say about that. And well, you, you're talking about if Hunter, they've been investigating Hunter Biden for six years. And isn't it amazing that in those six years. years they never charged they let they the the tax crimes that you and I would have to pay for that you and I would be held accountable to they never charged Hunter with those they knew about them Hunter Biden's team Hunter Biden's father was tipped off when they wanted to raid Hunter Biden's uh, cottage on his dad's property he were tipped so off and the Hunter raid Biden's never fault? happened so that's so Hunter you know. I'm not saying fault. it's Joe Biden's fault. Never said it was Joe Biden's fault. Stop moving the goalposts. That's what everybody. I that's never. What the whole, that's what the whole impeachment inquiry, inquiry is about. But here's what the thing: why was why was Joe Biden tipped off then that they were going to raid Hunter, who was living on his father's property? Oh, that's on those, those agents, if that's even true. Yes, well, we have. It wasn't. Didn't come from the agents. It came from. I think it was Leslie Wolf, who who was higher up. She was the one who um, who squashed the that investigation. So let me, let me it, just say this, and I'll, and I'll go. Yesterday, one of your Congress people in the House, Republican, in the leadership, I assume, was sent to ask questions. So he was sent out so he could ask questions about this situation with Hunter Biden and the timeline. He told the, the reporter asked a question about a specific time and what's the link between the two. And the congressman couldn't even answer the question. He said, "That's not what I do. I don't know about the timeline." Yeah, I, I and Tony, I, honestly, what, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, so I can't, I can't even comment on that because I don't know the situation that you're addressing there. I, listen, I get it. Thank you. I, I appreciate your your commentary, and I do appreciate the challenge. I, I think that when we get challenged. It's good because a lot of us live in a, an information bubble, like a, just a feedback. So getting challenged is good. It makes you think. Uh, but but this idea that, oh, Joe Biden's not involved. We know Joe Biden's involved. We know it. In, there's there he We know that he met with Hunter's business partners. He said, oh, I have no idea what Hunter does. I've never been involved. He shared an office with Hunter and one of his business partners. We know that he received money. We know that he's the big guy. We have people who are involved who have said, yes, he is the big guy. We know that. We know that Joe Biden used aliases when emailing Hunter. Why? Why would you do that? So I think we need to have those questions answered. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting those questions answered. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking those questions. All right, let's go to uh, cut five. This is Jonathan Turley. He was one of the witnesses yesterday. There were three witnesses, and he was one of the witnesses yesterday. And um, he he was um, one of the Democrats had uh, gone after him and said something uh, about 
it was it was Raja Krishnamurthy who said went after Turley and you wrote an op-ed headlined Stop Persecuting Polygamists. And this was a case that where Turley represented a family that was challenging a polygamy prosecution. And Krishnamori said, you've been crusading for legalizing polygamy for years. In fact, in an op-ed in the USA Today, you said uh, that a Utah polygamist named Tom Green, who was also convicted of pedophilia for raping his 13-year-old stepdaughter, should not have been charged with polygamy. And Turley tried to explain his position. You know, it's kind of like John Adams. I'd like to explain. It's kind of like John Adams, who who defended one of the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre, right? So he said, you know, I, I, that John Adams said everyone has the right to a defense. And Turley basically was trying to say that. Um, and so later in the questioning, since uh, Krishnamori wouldn't allow him to explain, he got his chance to explain himself. Here's Turley. I'd like to explain what that uh, that attacked out with nothing else for members of the committee than for my three children here who may be a little surprised by what they just heard. Uh, as they, I think, know, I've spent my life uh, challenging what is called morals legislation. What the Democratic member attacked me for are laws that dictate to others how they should live their lives. Some of those laws have been used against gay and lesbian uh, couples. They've been used against minorities. The individual that the member described, I condemned. I represented the sister wives in a case challenging that law on the basis of individual rights. The the trial court ruled in our favor and struck down that law the first time that type of law had ever been struck down. The Tenth Circuit later dismissed on technical grounds. But I just want to end with one other thing, and that is it's not going to make a difference. You know, this has become a pattern of witnesses whistleblowers, FBI agents, journalists being attacked in Congress, it won't make any difference. It won't change the constitutional standard. It won't negate any evidence that you have. But at some point, you've got to say enough. You know, that we have to have something, the public has something in Congress to look to, to have faith. And I have to tell you, it's not that I think that absurd attack meant any difference to my children or to the people that are watching. It makes a difference to our process. Witnesses should not have to... Mr. Chairman, I just, I hate to interrupt Professor Turley, but could our witness get equal time then? Because we're over a minute over. Has, has Chairman, I think gentlemen's time has expired. He responded to the uh, false allegations by your members, and I apologize for how you all have been treated. I apologize to the American people watching this hearing for the parliamentary stunts that the other side has pulled. Yeah, and, and this is the problem, is these whistleblowers come forward, and so many people don't want to come forward because their lives are ruined. They're discredited. They lose their jobs. Some of the IRS whistleblowers, the two, the two first two ones who chose to come out, put their face and their names to it. That's how much they believed in what they were saying, are, are claimed they're being retaliated against at work. They're having their careers ruined. And that's what Jonathan Turley was talking about. You can't have these, these personal attacks like this. That has to stop. And I think he's absolutely right. So kudos to Turley. I mean, and the funny thing is, is Turley's not a Republican. And that's why they hate him so much. It's like Dershowitz, not a Republican. And, you know, so they hate Dershowitz. They hate Turley on the left for coming out and daring to speak against him because he they both have gravitas because they're not 
Republicans. And, you know, they, I, I, I always thought that lawyers were supposed to be that way. They're just supposed to say right or wrong. This is right or this is wrong. Same thing with judges. But we've gotten into this era of accepting, well, who appointed you? And if that person appointed you, well, that's going to, you know, that's, that's your political view. And so, therefore, you're beholden to the person who, who appointed you. That's not the way it goes. So uh, good for Jonathan Turley. 1-800-922-6680. Take your comments on The Rob Carson Show. And I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. Happy Friday. 1-800-922-6680 is my number. Excuse me. The hearing yesterday, the impeachment inquiry hearing, uh, some other things happened yesterday. I did not get audio for it because it was just so, I don't know if you listened to it, you watched it. It was just so dysfunctional in a lot of ways. There was there was a lot of talking over each other, a lot of people yelling and, and trying to stop people from saying things. And excuse me, I'm going to choke here. Got a little something in my throat. I'm starting to <clears throat> have a little cough. Sorry. Um, and, and one of the things I, I could have gotten the audio for this, but let me just tell you about it because I was just a little it was too much. You had Jamie Raskin. Uh, he was he's the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, and he made a motion for a recorded vote. He wanted everybody to have to vote, yay or nay, to bring to subpoena Rudy Giuliani and Lev Parnas because he wanted them to testify before a committee hearing because they're going to start doing this impeachment inquiry. And he said, I'd like to ask for a recorded vote on that. This is a, this is on a subpoena of two key figures, Rudy Giuliani and Lev Parnas. And Comer asked, well, key figures for what? And he's like, well, your theory about why President Biden should be impe- President Biden should be impeached. And the chairman says, this is going to be I think this is going to be an informative hearing for you, Mr. Raskin, because we want to present evidence. And so they go back and forth about well, what evidence do you have? Because the Democrats are sticking with this. There's no evidence. Line. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. And hopefully our next guest, David White, will be able to answer some of those questions uh, coming up. Then AOC jumps in. She was all over the place yesterday. She was jumping in all over. So AOC jumps in and she says she calls for a point of parliamentary inquiry, which makes me chuckle. I'm sorry. This is a woman who didn't know what a garbage disposal was, allegedly, which I find not to be true. I think that she was kind of lying a little bit. So this is a woman who doesn't know how to how to use a, a garbage disposal, but she's going to make a point of parliamentary inquiry. So that made me chuckle. I was driving. I was like, hee hee, here comes AOC. And then, so she starts jumping in. So Comer just finally yells at everybody. He goes, everybody gets five minutes. That's it. We're not, and so they do the vote eventually. And it was, I was, it was nail biting. And I, because Republicans, not everybody was there. So they squeaked it out by one vote. And I'm like, if Republicans are going to lose this because not everybody's there. Really? How do they not see this coming? How are they this not together? It drives me crazy. It really, truly drives me nuts how they just can't get it together when it comes to things like this. Um, and then you have a Greg Kasser, who is a Democrat out of Texas, and he did what they were doing the whole time. There was a recurring theme by the Democrats to make it about Trump 
or the shutdown. Everything was, yeah, but Trump or yeah, but um, Ivanka and Jared, which there wasn't a lot about that. It was mostly Trump, 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 or yeah, but you guys are going to shut down the government. Why are we doing this? You guys are going to shut down the government. One of them made an entire speech about shutting down the government. And I kind of figure if the Democrats are against shutting down the government at this point in the game, I'm for it. Right. Like at this point in the game, my knee jerk reaction is like, wait a minute. What are you guys doing? Why are you so afraid of the government being shut down? I think there's a lot of elements of the government we could do without. I really do. Oh, well, you know, you won't be able to go to a national park. Okay. I might be able to muddle through this. So he asked members to raise their hands if they believe both Hunter Biden and Donald Trump should be held accountable for any of the indictments against them if they're convicted by a jury of their peers. Because, again, they're trying to make this about Trump, right? Because they want to, and all the Democrats raised their hands, of course, and other Republicans did. So he went on and on because he had five minutes to go on and on and on and on about this. Then Marjorie Taylor Greene jumps in and she's like, well, what about the January 6th defendants? And then they all, the Democrats are yelling, point of order. So it was crazy. It was super hard to listen to yesterday. And it just makes me sad that they get that way. Okay, let's, um, let, let's go to... Um, Cut four is the one cut we did not do here. Cut four, yeah. This is James Comer. This is how he ended this yesterday. James Comer. The witnesses today have all identified the evidence the committee has uncovered as deserving further inquiry. And that is what this committee will do, no matter where that evidence leads. I want to thank the witnesses for their testimony today. It confirms the evidence compiled by this committee justifies the investigation of Joe Biden's role in his family's international business schemes and justifies the next step of this investigation. One of those steps is gaining insight into where the Biden's foreign money ended up, for what purposes. Therefore, today, I will subpoena the bank records of Hunter Biden, James Biden, and their affiliated companies. So now now that they have an impeachment inquiry, they have the power to get these bank records, which is what they need. And we're going to ask David Whited, who is coming up, about whether they're going to be able to follow it. Remember, there was a Ukrainian whose name is escaping me, sorry, uh, who said that the shell companies and everything were set up purposely and, and joked that it was going to take, they were done the way they were set up, the way they were, because they said it would take 10 years to unravel, to follow the money, to unravel it. And remember, you, the this same guy, remember he did it was a video because he's on the run. <sighs> I think it was in Israel last. Anyway, I'm getting, there's so many players. I apologize. Uh, maybe you know who it is. You can shoot me a note, uh, Mary, uh, Mary Walter Radio on Twitter, or just give us a call here. Um, and, and he said that, um, that he has recordings of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and he's holding on to them. Those are kind of like his insurance. And I would love to hear what's on those recordings. I think we would all love to hear what's on those recordings. So now that's the next step. This should have been done. Again, it took Mitch Mitch McConnell, not Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, over 300 days to get this moving. Democrats would have had this going on the first day and would have been so much further ahead. By the time they get anything where they tie this finally to Joe Biden, it's going to be after the election. It's exactly what's going to happen because the federal governments that are stonewalling now that are going to have to cough up the goods if they haven't been destroyed because they do manage to lose quite a few records. 
uh, if those records haven't been destroyed, they're going to say, well, we're coming into an election. You know, we don't want to we don't want to influence the outcome of the election. We, we wouldn't want to do that. That would be election interference. That's exactly what's coming next. So this is just a mess. This is a big, big mess, and Republicans drag their feet, and I think that's part of the problem. Coming up next, David Whited. He is a Hunter Biden case specialist. He's the host of Flyover Conservatives. It is a podcast, and we will talk to him next. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. President Trump is leading in the polls. But only one network is covering President Trump's events live. That's Newsmax. Millions have made the switch to Newsmax because it's the real news they can trust. President Trump says he loves Newsmax. Every night you can start watching with Rob Schmidt at 7 p.m. Eastern. Rob Schmidt is exposing the Biden impeachment truth. All this week, Rob looks at the Biden money trail and the tens of millions that went to his family. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If your cable operator doesn't carry Newsmax, call them and demand it. And don't forget to download the Newsmax app on your iPhone or Android. It's absolutely free, and you can start watching at any time. Get the Newsmax app now. Get Newsmax at home and make the switch. You won't look back. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Happy Friday. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Rob Carson. I'll be with you on Monday as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. Coming up next hour, Hans von Spakovsky will be joining us. Talk about Trump's land fraud problem, the impeachment inquiry, and also a column he did on racism at West Point. Super interesting. So we'll talk about that as well. Joining us now, though, David Whited. He is a Hunter Biden case specialist. He's the host of Flyover Conservatives podcast. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at F.O. Conservatives. And also you can find him on Twitter at David M. Whited, W-H-I-T-E-D. David, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to, great to be here uh, uh, with you today. Thank you. So, you know, talking about since you are a Hunter Biden case specialist, which I've never heard of before. And I thought, wow, you want to talk? Everybody's got a specialty. So why not? Um, Good for you. Um, You know, yesterday we heard Marjorie Taylor Greene in the impeachment inquiry go after uh, actually bring to light the fact that Hunter was never charged under the Mann Act for allegedly importing and crossing state lines or even bringing into the country these prostitutes and that's a clear violation of the man act it's human trafficking why is no one talking about that she's i mean i was so glad she brought it up but it's really kind of flown under the radar why hasn't that been it hasn't been prosecuted for that what's going on you know and that was interesting because that just she kind of just sort of slid that in in the midst of of the the entire conversation and you know i don't i don't know that i would necessarily consider myself the hunter biden you know, expert, but I think unfortunately our our nation has has kind of uh, inadvertently become Hunter Biden experts because it's been a news cycle that's been been burning. You know, leading into the last election, and I think we've all been looking at these stories. I think what happens is over time, two things factor in. One, there's such a fatigue of information that kicks yes. in where it's just kind of oh yeah, I know, I heard, and it, and, and and then number two, it's so disturbing. 
you know, you take this the average American and you and you you find out the the the, the president's son and he's referenced as the the smartest guy he knows and he's representing us all these nations and he's so public. Yet most people had seen, had access, had looked at uh, his you know versions of his laptop pictures. You know, and he's you know snorting cocaine off of brokers <laughs> and these things. And it's like. It's like it's so far beyond their world and anything they've ever seen. It's it's beyond what you would see in a movie, or it's 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 not even it's not even believable his lifestyle that this guy led, and the fact that he, he covered it up, you know, and it and it had so much cover for it. So I think those two things have factored in where people just kind of like, hey, I'm fatigued in it. They're not really demanding much outrage. If this would have just popped up, you know, you look at stories in our past. You look at like a. Oh, you know, things that, uh, you know, Dan Quayle messed up spelling potato. <laughs> you know, right, right. things that have happened. <laughs> it is, it, you know, he's got it. These guys got to be looking at the current news cycle and think, are you kidding me? You know, uh, Gary Hart or somebody, you know, right. that is just like the, the Boy Scout of, of our modern era. So it's, it's so far out there. And then there's such a constant steady flow when these things pop up. I just don't think people even look anymore. You know, there's just so much noise and so much happening. Do you? I mean, is that? Do you feel that way yourself? You cover this, this kind oh, of yeah. content every day. Does anything shock you anymore? Um, you know what shocks me is the fact that we've become so tribal and so partisan. And I blame that on Barack Obama. Sorry, but I do. Um, we were yeah. not this divided before Barack Obama. Barack Obama did a wonderful job of dividing us. And I think that what what makes me sad is that people don't see that it's all part of the plan. To me, this is Cloward Piven to, in, in, in full swing. To me, the plan is divide us, that we're not paying attention to what the government's doing. Uh, we get tribal, so we fight each other no matter what, rich versus poor, black versus white, Republican versus Democrat, right? And so you always root for your side, right or wrong, and you lose the ability to yeah. actually see what's happening. And and that's hap- they're being very, they're very, very successful with it. You know, people, I, I wake up in the morning when I... When, if I'm up early enough, depending on what shift I've worked, I, I turn on Morning Joe because I hate myself. No, um, <laughs> I, tur- I turn on Morning I turn on Morning Joe because I want to see what the other side is thinking. I pretty much know what it's going to be. I pretty much know it's just going to be Mika rolling her eyes like a 13 year old girl, and you know, going Trump's terrible, Trump's terrible, Trump's terrible. But I think it's important to hear opposing views. I think it's important to Absolutely. hear what the other side is thinking, and nobody does that anymore. And if you stay in your information bubble, you really don't, you are uninformed, right or left. You're uninformed. And it never used to be that way. Our parents, our grandparents, would turn on their nightly news or a national nightly news show, and they got news. They didn't get opinion. And it was uncensored. And it kept them informed, and they were allowed to make their own decisions. Now you're not allowed to make your own decision. We will feed you the propaganda, and you will consume whichever propaganda you want. You have a choice between two. And that's and what shocks you're me. exactly right. And the news cycle has become delivered, you know. Um, you know, it's like you take any small town. There, you know, I grew up, there, was, there wasn't many restaurants. You know, now every intersection has three fast food places, and you can, you know, eat out. Like, we didn't need to eat out a lot when I was a kid, not because necessarily we didn't have a lot of money there wasn't a lot of options you know there weren't as many it just wasn't a thing that you did now now there's so many restaurants well it's kind of same thing with news media like there's so many sources for information you can go get it everywhere and it's readily available it's not walter cronkite delivering you the 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 news every evening 
And I, I think it's gotten so partisan in that. The difference that I've noticed, we've run this podcast for two years. We just finished our 2,000th piece of content. And, you know, we interview everybody from a G. Edward Griffin who wrote the, the creature from Jekyll Island to Dinesh D'Souza. We've had, you know, Eric Trump and, you know, just, you know, various characters, um, you know, on that, that have various looks at everything. And I, I do find this. Conservatives tend to have a better view of what the leftist narrative is. You said you wake up and see Morning Joe. You know, when you're checking out the grocery store, you see the the the, the headlines. You know, if you're at the gym, CNN is on. You're at the, and I just got through traveling yesterday. I was flying through Denver and through California. And the, you know, you, the, the, the airport still plays news in the, in the restaurants and bars, different things like that. We're still fed that side. So I think as a conservative, you're typically in less of an echo chamber. You know, than makes the sense. But it makes it very challenging to have a conversation. If I, if I were to bring up a, a, just anything, if I just go to the airport and grab 10 people and say, who was Kyle Rittenhouse? Well, it would be just, just completely different views of who this person is, what his motive is, what happened. They would be completely different. It's the same guy, same thing, but it would be completely different views on who this person is. And it's really hard to have conversation. If I bring up football to you and you think I'm talking about you know, tennis, it's hard for us to talk about how, you know, wh- what's the point. And, and that's what, what is creating so much division is there's not even a fundamental language to discuss a topic because we both have gathered the intel from different sources. Not only I go, I'll go you one better. Kyle Rittenhouse, people on both sides will pretty much know his name. Ask people who James Hodgkinson is and what their thoughts on James Hodgkinson are. Nobody will know who he is. Because he shot, he tried to assassinate the Republican congressional baseball team. And he was a Bernie Sanders surrogate. So that story died. That story went out of the news post-haste. You know, Steve Scalise, thank God, survived. But that was a blip, and that was the end of it. His name is not a a household name the way George Floyd, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, others are. Because the left couldn't capitalize on it uh, politically, in my humble opinion. The, 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 the Nashville shooting was an incredible story. See that unfold minute by minute. The narrative changed as everybody was kind of figuring out the political flavor and, and all yes. of the implications, all the sides of the Rubik's Cube. And, and where are we going to land on this? It's not it's not what's right or wrong. You know, I, I could I could right. walk up to you and, and take take your purse or I could walk up to you and, and punch you in the mouth. Well, it's going to. How bad that is is going to depend on a lot of factors that have very little to do with my action. It's my, it's my right. gender, my age, is my political, my Christian, am I white, am I straight, am I, you know, and, and then then yours, you know. Well, if you're a, a you know, certain, you know, depending on what what you are, well, that may not even be a crime, or it might be the worst crime of all time. And so exactly that, that lens of even what is justice? Justice is somewhat dependent upon the perpetrator and the victim is going to depend on whether something's even good or bad. Whether it's and that happens super, super quickly. The summer of love was really the tipping point for that. For certain categories of people are allowed to break the law. Law doesn't apply to them. Other people, look at the January 6th protesters. There were people who were convicted who weren't even there. Which is insanity. Absolutely. So I wasn't even at the Absolutely. scene of the crime, but you're prosecuting. How is this happening? 
You know, you had you had banks that turned over the um, the bank records without a subpoena, without a excuse me, without a warrant uh, to to the feds because th- there was a transaction made by one of the people in their banks who ha- is somewhere in the D.C. area by one of their customers. Your bank records got turned over. You don't know if your bank records were turned over to this day. You have no idea, but it was done without your permission. It was done without even so much as a thought. They just said, oh, sure, you want them? Here you go. So that yeah. idea yeah. of justice for some and not for others is being well entrenched. They're like, well, you're a Nazi, so I have every right to punch you in the face. Well, and this kind of illusion, too, of, of uh, you know, if there's an us or them, okay, my, my home, is, who's on my side? Is my, is my bank loyal to me or is my bank loyal to the government? Is my cell phone provider loyal to me as a customer? And, and my constitutional rights are they loyal to the government first? Is my... And it goes all the way down the list. Like the big theme that we really try to hit on the Fiverr Conservative podcast, and it only because you talk about so many dark things that are that are heavy and big and they're far away. But is, is this is an area where every single individual, and this nails exactly what you just said, they have to take personal responsibility for the most important areas of their life that they would have defaulted in the past. Like my parents, grandparents, they would have gone to the doctor. If they told them to take something, no problem, I've got it. I'll take three of them. Um, and not really question it. Well, today, you you would better personally own your medical. You'd better personally own your faith. You know, your pastor might have had Fauci in as a guest, or Francis Collins is a guest to play this stupid acoustic guitar at your church. You know, well that that's fine. But are they operating in your best interest, or are they getting funding from you know another source? Like, you'd better own your faith. You better work that out in private at home. You'd better own your own education for your children. You may say, well, my kids go to school. If it's good enough for me, it'll be good enough for them. Well. What you know, the books they have in the library aren't the same as when you went there, and and that teacher might be a, a, a trained Marxist, and you'd better own that yourself. You can't just send them and think those are the safest eight hours of the day. It might be the most dangerous eight hours of the day. So you better own your own faith. You better own your own medical. You better right. own your children's education. You better own your own finances. If you're not looking at the dollar and 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 what's happening with it, it's like uh, they're literally getting rid of the physical dollar on a daily basis. If you go to the the the, the debt grid clock. Dot com. They added a new column over the weekend, you know, uh, of actually how much the, the physical currency is, is, is being deleted and in, in, in ground up. So it's, there's, there's not any physical paper money. You'd better be looking at that yourself. You can't check out. And, and, and that kind so, of comes to the news cycle and why you guys do such a good job is you draw the attention towards what people can do and their responsibility in it. So quickly, in about a minute here, uh, is the tide turning, though? COVID, parents started to finally pay attention to what their kids were learning in school. And it doesn't matter whether you have a D or an R after your name, you're, you're, you're rising up, right? Uh, these inner cities where they're losing all of their stores, you know, Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, yeah. we were talking to someone earlier, really, really nice area of Philadelphia, super liberal. Oh, wait, they're rioting in my neighborhood? What is happening here? So are people starting to wake up, or do those people just move out of the area and just continue voting blue? Well, I think when it gets personal, when they come in into your neighborhood, we know we saw that when, when they put migrants in and Martha's Vineyard. You know, it's like, we, you know, we can't have that. And so um, we are in an area where I think people are starting to realize, when I talk about the us and the them, there's been such a Marxist movement where, where it used to be Marxism was rich versus poor is class warfare. Now it's, it's, it's gender and race, and it's, they found a million ways to divide us so that you're not looking at the ones that are trying to do that. But people are waking up to that, and they're, 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 they're less likely to be like, okay, I trust 
the, the politician in my area because he's a Republican. I think I, I don't think there's any sense that the people of Kentucky uh, that they feel like uh, Mitch McConnell is losing sleep at night. Like, what can he do better to serve them and to meet their needs? And, and, and what's what's the true heart and passion of the people right. of Kentucky? And how do I represent them or whatever state that, that you're from? You know, uh, is Dan Crenshaw more loyal to, the, you know, the, the constituents of, of, of the Texas than he is to, you know, an oil company or somebody. And not that any of these people are good or bad, but it's, I think for the most part, voters are becoming less partisan and they're realizing, um, you know what? I don't know that any of these people are working for me and I need to get involved locally. We've seen uh, I, I, yes. I, record numbers of school boards flip. We're seeing, you know, people on the local level are making a big difference, a big change, and that's where people are getting activated and in charge and a lot less loyal just on the party when it comes to voting. David Whited, thank you so much. Check out, check them out. Follow them on Twitter, F.O. Conservatives, and that's where you can see uh, some of the episodes. And where else can they see uh, the episodes of your podcast? You know, we're fighting censorship, so we upload to 60 different platforms every single day, Rumble, uh, every different okay. podcast platform. Wherever you consume media, media, we make it easy to find. Just look for Fly Over Conservatives and check them out. David Wade, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Mary. More coming up on The Rob Carson Show. Welcome back to The Rob Carson Show. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. I'll be in on Monday as well. You can join me at 1-800-922-6680. Quickly want to talk to you about the dysfunction with the Republicans. And if it, how do you feel about, like, I'm not a registered Republican because of it. They're just so dysfunctional. They can't get it together. We were talking before about the impeachment inquiry. It took Kevin McCarthy over 300 days to decide to do the impeachment inquiry. Democrats would have had it done in the first week of taking power. First week, it would have been done. It wouldn't have been an inquiry. It would have been a full-on impeachment. That's it, and we'll sort it out later, right? And is is it a benefit or is it a failing that the Republicans have differing opinions. And I had said earlier, you know, Democrats, man, sometimes I admire them. They circle the wagons. They get in line, right? Like they back each other up, boom, 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 because they understand that there's a goal. There's a goal. Now, I may not agree with how with how we get there, but we got to get there, all right? Republicans don't do that. They just don't. They don't, they don't, they're like, no, I'm voting my way. Now, here's the other part of this is we are a representative republic. So I don't care what your personal beliefs are. I I truly don't care. As long as you cast your votes in Congress to represent your constituents, that is your job. I'm a big fan of when you go to work, you leave your personal opinions at home. So if you're a pharmacist who's pro-life and you don't want to write a prescription for the pill or an abortion pill or something like that, then you're in the wrong profession, right? Because, you know, what if you, what if you work in, in a grocery store and you're working in the, you know, the, the, the deli section and you're Muslim and so you don't want to sell bacon? Well, no, 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 that's your job. So you need to do that. 1-800-922-6680. I'll get to your calls coming up on The Rob Carson Show. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. 
So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. And I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. 1-800-922-6680 is my number. Joining us in half an hour, Hans von Spakovsky uh, from the Heritage Foundation will be joining us. We'll talk to him about Trump's land fraud problem, a little bit about the impeachment inquiry. And Hans has a column out um, on the Daily Signal on racism at West Point. And it's pretty uh, pretty timely considering Millie just retired. So, uh it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. So let's talk about spending, and not only national, but your wallet as well. You know, the shutdown is looming, and this happens on a regular basis. It sneaks up on them. It's kind of like, kind of like a guy who's dating, and he realizes suddenly that it's Christmas Eve and he doesn't have a present. Dads do it too. You know, married men do this as well. It's a guy thing. Not all of you, obviously, not all, but you are you're gender's kind of known for it the fair your sex is in general known for you know shopping at the local 7-eleven or wawa or quick check or whatever for christmas presents right and that's why the ronco pocket fisherman so so popular uh but this this like sneaks up on congress every year like every year they're shocked to find out oh the budget thing we got to do that so Republicans, though, are being blamed for not passing a continuing resolution, which is a stopgap bill. And they do it every year, every year. And then something passes at the last minute. Then the next deadline sneaks up on them. And something passes at the last minute because they want to go home for Christmas or Thanksgiving, or whatever the holiday has to be. And they want to go home. So they just pass something to get it done every single year. This happens all the time. And I have to tell you, if you or I ran our personal budgets the way Congress runs our budget, because it's our money, we'd all be broke. This CR that they're the, that they want to pay now, the Senate voted seventy six to twenty two to open debate on a stopgap bill, the continuing resolution that would extend federal spending until November seventeenth and authorize about six billion dollars more for Ukraine and 6 billion for domestic dem- disaster response funding. Now, why does Ukraine get 6 billion more dollars? I'm sorry. I realize you have a war going on. However, we have a war going on at our southern border. We're being invaded. We're looking at 10 million people under Joe Biden's watch coming into this country. It's the population of several states coming into this country. The number of people coming into this country who are foreign born is exceeding the number of American citizen children being born. That is unsustainable. The majority of these people are illiterate in their own language don't speak English, have no marketable skills, and they're coming to the United States where we're handing them cell phones, we're doing this, that, and everything else, and they get the free health care because they walk into a hospital and you have to take care of them. You're footing the bill for that. Their kids are going to school. That's You're footing the bill for that because now they have to have special classes in their language and they have you have to pay for their books. you got to pay for everything for that, right? So we're, we're footing the bill for all of them. 
I don't know about you, but my personal budget can't foot the bill for 10 million more people. I'm funny that way. And you have the the Republicans, the House, was supposed to take votes last night, and I couldn't find anything that they did take those votes. The House Republicans have rejected spending levels for 2024 that were set in a deal that McCarthy negotiated with Biden back in May. And they said, no mas. So we waited until September to really address the issue. Yeah, we had the summer off. There's a lot of things to do. You know, kids want to go water skiing. So, yeah, we didn't really address it. That agreement includes $1.59 trillion. It's basically $1.6 trillion in, quote, discretionary spending in fiscal 2024. House Republicans want $120 billion in cuts, plus tougher legislation that would stop the flow of immigration on the southern border. The illegal immigrants coming across that border. It's not even immigration. It's migration. And stop the administration from flying them all over the country on taxpayer dimes. We pay, they, get, they get private chartered planes. When was the last time you were on a private chartered plane? To fly them anywhere they want to go, except the Hamptons, except for Martha's Vineyard, except for Beverly Hills, except for any other really rich areas, in which case we keep them out of there. You know, just a neighborhood near you. We know that there's now TB being coming across the border, measles, all sorts of other diseases coming across the border, along with a bunch of terrorists and military-aged men, but pay no attention to them. Now, I put all this, so there's that, and you comment if you want to comment on the government and the spending, 1-800-922-6680. But you add into this, so we're going to pay for all that, right? It's our money that they're committing. We're going to give $6 billion more to Ukraine of your money. In the meantime... I'm getting my hair done yesterday, and the cost of that has has gone up. I can remember when it was like, I get my hair cut a couple of times a year. That's it. I don't get a lot done. I'm knock on wood, knock on wood, uh, blessed that my mother's side of the family doesn't really go gray. So I'm not I'm not one of those people that has to dye my hair all the time. So yeah, I got a couple here and there, but you really probably wouldn't even really notice them. So so I'm lucky. I'm very blessed that way, and I'm happy about it. So I really just go to get my hair cut. And I I am not opposed to just throwing it up in a ponytail to save some bucks and extend it for another month, right? It was $215, and this is in suburban New Jersey. It's New York City prices. And on the wall is a placard now that says, if you're using a credit card, you have to pay, uh, you will pay now an additional 3% to offset the credit card charge. Which is weird, because if you listen during the news, uh, no, during our last interview, we were talking about um, how they're getting rid of cash. They're trying to move us to a cashless society. Well, all these businesses, though, were giving me the impetus to pay with cash. Like the next time I go to get my hair cut, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm getting out, you know, $250 in cash because you got a tip and everything else on top of it. I'm, I'm looking at $250 just to get my hair cut. So... And highlights. I do get highlights. Uh, and lowlights. You, you know, it's $250. And I understand that the cost of their product is more. The, key, the electricity is more. Everything's more. So what do they do? They pass that cost on to us. But now we find out from Lending Club, uh, they do a report all the time, and they look at uh, Americans and, you know, income and Americans who say they're living paycheck to paycheck. As of August, 60% of adults say they're living paycheck to paycheck now. Inflation is showing some signs of cooling, but the consumer price index, which 
looks at um, you know goods and services across the board, that's still up 3.7% from a year ago. So real hour average hourly earnings have declined half a percent in August alone. So wage growth is not keeping up. You can't keep up with inflation. So it makes it harder and harder for people to make ends meet. TD Bank did a, uh, cons- they do it every year, a consumer spending index. And they found that four out of five of their customers' spending habits have been affected by inflation. And I want to know from you are your spending habits being affected by inflation? 1 800 922 And in what way? For instance, I'm getting cash the next time I go to the, gro- I, next time I go get my hair done. Because I know I have to pay an additional 3% on top of it because I want to use a credit card. Now, the, this is where it doesn't make sense to me. The government wants to track absolutely everything you do, which is why this digital currency is becoming a thing. You know, because they want to be able to everything you do so that they can go back if they want to audit you. You didn't declare, you know, this. So where did you get the money to buy this from? You didn't declare enough. It doesn't make any sense. That kind of stuff. Right? They're going to get every dime out of you they can. But at the same time, we're being pushed to use more cash because if you don't, you're getting surcharged. There is a restaurant, I saw a restaurant, I want to say it's in California, that is now putting a surcharge on the bills for employees' health care because the cost of health care is going up so much. The cost of food, obviously, is going up. Child care costs going up. Plus, you're paying higher interest rates on credit card debt and auto loan payments. By the way, if you carry credit card debt, I'm sorry, I don't feel sorry for you, that's on you. That's on you. You should know better. And if you have to live below your means to avoid credit card debt, then you have to live below your means. Now, if it's something extraordinary and it's a once, you know, once in a lifetime time kind of thing or every now and then, I get it. For an emergency, I get it. But other than that, I do not understand it and don't feel super sorry for you. Lower income workers have been hit the hardest because they take more out of their paycheck to pay for food and necessities, right? It's a bigger bite of the pie for them. They have less money to use on other things. We went out to dinner last week with my aunt and uncle, and they like this one restaurant. It's a local restaurant, the Jersey Shore, and it's off season. And it's a good restaurant. So four people ate. I ordered an appetizer as my meal because the appetizer was $18. The appetizer was $18. My aunt got an entree, but only got a half serving. And then my uncle and my husband got a full serving, of you know, full meal. No appetizers. We didn't order anything beforehand. We, we got two glasses of wine and one old-fashioned. That was $16, the old-fashioned. I said, well, no, I got the cheaper one. I didn't get the $16 one. I didn't get that one. I got, I, got a, I got a cheaper one. But still, it's all New York City prices in the Jersey suburbs. And I'm sure you see that wherever you happen to be, right? And, and we got and one dessert, four, co- four coffees and one dessert. It was over $200, I got an appetizer as my meal. My aunt got a half portion. So we basically paid for two full-size meals, no appetizers beforehand. I, I mean, it's crazy. I'm just not, we just don't go out anymore. If we go out and we want to splurge, we'll get a pizza because pizza is now $25. So I want to know if, if how this is affecting you. 
1-800-922-6680. I will get your calls coming up next on The Rob Carson Show. I'm Mary Walters sitting in for Rob Carson on this Friday. If you want to join me, 1-800-922-6680. Just talk about money and spending on a federal level and on your own level. They're spending tons and tons, billions and trillions of dollars. And and part of the Republican uh, caucus, part Republican uh, House, is saying, no, we're not doing this. And they're holding out. And they're going to shut the government down in order to get the border secure and to stop all this spending to Ukraine, or at least lessen it. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. Go. Yes, I have to I have to tighten my belt because of inflation. Why don't they have to tighten their belt with our money? Why not? And I'm just talking about how it's affecting you. 1-800-922-6680. Let's go to Hamilton, Maryland. Debbie, you're on the Rob Carson Show. Happy Friday. Hi, happy Friday. Thanks for taking my call, Mary. Um, we're talking about the 3% on the credit card. If you're in a restaurant, we're in Baltimore here, the first time I ever was aware of it, not only do you get charged the 3%, you get charged the sales tax on that 3%. And I called the sales tax department, and I said, wait a minute. I said, why am I being charged sales tax on the full amount? Right. That's a surcharge to a credit card company that they have to pay. And if my bill had been really high, which it wasn't at this for this time, it was like sixty cents. But the principle is, you shouldn't be taxing me a tax on basically a tax to me. Right, so right. I, like, you, like you don't tip on the tax. It's the same thing. Yeah, it, it was crazy. No, they did. They charged me, and I called the sales tax department for our city, and I said. Um, you need to contact these people because I think that this isn't, you you know, this should be enforced that they shouldn't be taxing on that. So I don't know whatever happened to it. But you really have to either read the fine print. Some restaurants here are telling people, you know, if you don't, I, I, I hire cash everywhere now because I never know. Um, but some places, the way that, you know, the servers will tell you and some don't. So, yeah. yeah, they should have to tell you. And because you know what? It's not their fault that this is happening, right? It's not the restaurant's fault. I get that it's not my hair salon's fault that they have to charge me the 3%. They're getting squeezed. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad there's a little sign on the wall. But I just happened to look up and see it. They didn't tell me that. Like, I just happened to look up and see it. But I didn't have enough money in cash. Right. But like you, like, I'm just going to, I'm starting to carry more cash. The generation, anybody under like 40, 45 doesn't carry cash anymore. No, they, just, they I, don't I, I carry cash. Uh, yeah, I'm 72. My son's 40. He goes all over the world. He doesn't. He he uses his card for everything, and I do too for a lot of things. But I kind of like carrying cash around, even though it's not that safe. But I kind of like having that paper in my hand. <laughs> but no, I, I, I really don't think the sales tax should be. Um, you should be charged your sales tax. Yeah. On the I, I, I agree with I agree with you on that, Deb. But the nice thing about this is that it's all the young people who are going to be paying for all this. So I'm okay because I'm because people like me, you and me, I have no qualms going to the ATM. I'll get out two hundred dollars in cash. Here you go. I'm a big fan of the government not tracking me. <laughs> I'm just a huge fan of it, Deb. We got to run. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a fantastic weekend. Let's head. Let's stay in Maryland to go to Pasadena. Donald, you're on the Rob Carson Show. Hi. Hi. 
in response to your question on uh, the rise of costs for restaurant food, um, yeah, it does greatly impact us. Uh, but uh, where I get stuck is now I'm at home eating my wife's vegan food because oh. she doesn't uh, eat meat and she is pretty strict on what comes into the house and what doesn't. Well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, first of all, you, you signed up for this deal, so that's on you. Oh, yeah, you're right. Totally correct. Uh, you know what? So I, can't, I don't feel super sorry for you because you said I do. So, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you signed the contract. So, but, but here's the thing. Just because she doesn't eat meat doesn't mean that, you know, everybody can't eat meat. You know, there's things that my husband loves that I don't like, but it doesn't mean that I tell him you can't have that in the house. Well... I go along with it, and I, then I do bring something, but it's on very rare occasions. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for you. I'm sorry. It's difficult <laughs> to barbecue broccoli. <laughs> I just love you. should ask her, how come vegans are always trying to make vegetables taste like meat and look like meat, but you know, carnivores are never trying to make meat look like vegetables? I hear you. I hear you. It's a reason it's for that. But yeah, well, Donald, all I can say to you is drink heavily. Um, and Understood. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, dude. Either that or you need to find some friends, some guy friends, and have guys night so you can at least get out of the house and you can go have a nice steak somewhere. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. Appreciate you joining me. Yeah, wow. I could never do that. I have to tell you. Like, I could never marry a smoker. That was a no deal for me. Nope, nope. Could never marry a smoker. And if you told me that you're vegan and you know like you're so vegan to the point where i have to adhere to what you do that would have been a no starter too we'd be like oh no no second date we're, we're done you know and the first tip off would have been the vegan restaurant no just like i would never expect him to eat meat if that's not his thing it's just like i'm catholic i'm a practicing catholic if i married someone who wasn't a practicing catholic i certainly wouldn't expect him to you know still come to mass with me every week because that's what i do you know this that wouldn't have worked so oh well, sorry i feel badly for him well actually i don't i'm lying uh listen this in california they fast food workers right now earn an average of sixteen dollars and sixty cents an hour about thirty four thousand dollars a year but wage for fast food workers that will apply to restaurants with 60 locations nationwide they're gonna be making twenty dollars an hour right so that that which is insane that's a about $40,000 a year. And that's just the starting point. The law creates a fast food council that has the power to increase the wage each year through 2029 by 3.5% or the changes in averages for the U.S. Consumer Price Index for urban wage earners and clerical workers, whichever is lower. Do you know how much you're going to pay for like a Happy Meal or like a kid's meal? It's going to be 25 bucks. That's, that's exactly what's happening. So it's going to happen. It's just going to be a kiosk that you order it and a machine's going to make the food and out it's going to come. And it will probably be right. And I love that it only applies to restaurants with at least 60 locations nationwide with an exception for restaurants that make and sell their own bread. Like Panera. Wait, what? Huh? Very powerful lobby there for the bread makers. Coming up, Hans von Spakovsky from the Heritage Foundation on Trump's land fraud problem, that landmark ruling. The impeachment inquiry and Hans's latest column on West Point and racism. That's all coming up on The Rob Carson Show.
Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. If you're just joining us, where have you been? You've been having a great Friday so far. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. And on Tuesdays, I have a podcast uh, that is live on YouTube and Getter. And it starts at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're watching live on either one of those, you can make comments and join in, and it's very interactive. And then the audio is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search for Mary Walter Radio. And if you go to YouTube, you can watch it, look at some of the previous podcasts, one of which includes our next guest here on the Newsmax Hotline, Hans von Spakovsky. He's a manager for the Election Law Initiative, senior legal fellow at the Institute for Constitutional Government at the Heritage Foundation. And you you can follow him on Twitter at H. Von Spakovsky. Hans, welcome. How are you? Mary, I'm doing just great. Thanks for having me on. And happy Friday to you. Great to have you. So, Hans, I want to talk about Trump's land fraud problem and this this ruling that was uh, brought came down in New York and every the left is all like, oh, he's going down, he's going to lose his entire empire. And this was brought down by Manhattan Supreme Court Judge Arthur Engeron. And he ruled that Trump, his sons and the company were liable for fraud in how they valued some of their real estate properties and other assets. And this was a while ago. This, this was uh, dealing with banks and getting loans from banks in the value valuation of the properties. So I guess my I have a lot of questions about this because am I to believe that the banks just told Trump, oh, you just figure out how much it's worth and we'll just use that number? Or did they send out an assessor, which I think was what they probably would do or use comps in the area to decide the value of the property before giving him some kind of loan? Well, that's usually what happens, and it's unclear to me from uh, this case uh, how much assessing was done by the banks and others who were lending money or how much they were relying on what uh, Trump and his company were saying. But, look, uh, no, no one is going to justify a deliberately under uh, over-assessment of a piece of property. But uh, keep this in mind, Mary. Normally, these kind of fraud cases only arise when there's been a default. You know, when a, when a borrower, for example, you know, stops paying on a loan, the bank has to foreclose, and they discover that the property which secured the loan is worth a lot less than everybody said it was. And, you know, the Trump folks make the point here that no one was defrauded and no one lost any money because all of the loans were paid back. So you have to wonder, why, why are they going after them? Well, that might have something to do with the fact that, as you know, the Attorney General in New York said when she was campaigning, she was going to get Donald Trump. And uh, you also have to wonder about the judge in the case who is not only a registered Democrat, but I think a former member of the ACLU, uh, who clearly uh, has it in in for Trump. And again, it doesn't say it's not a serious case. It is, but I, it, it's hard to um, think about this as a really serious case when, when if what the Trump folks say is true, nobody lost any money. Right, and I would assume it's a private contract between an organization and a bank. So why are they going back? I mean, what gives the government the right to go back in time to see if you undervalue or did whatever when nobody complained? Who's the victim? Can you can you charge someone with a crime if there's no victim? 
Well, you can, but there's really no point in doing that when uh, there was no victim, no money was lost. In fact, everybody involved, uh, the loans got paid back. They all made money. So why are they going after him? And look, keep in mind this, too. How many decades has Donald Trump been doing business in New York and had no kind of prosecutions like this ever, civil or criminal, until he became a political figure and uh, the DAs in New York, the attorney general in New York and others started going after him. Uh, It's hard to believe that it's not politics. Behind. Of course. Yeah, no, of course, it's hard to believe it's not politics. But so I, I guess, you know, you look at there's there's the, the New York Post had a, a piece where they spoke with an anonymous a Palm Beach a real estate broker and said that this decision has sent shockwaves through real estate circles because now this is a problem now right? This this right. could definitely be a problem with how they evaluate property, etc. But we all know it's not going to happen so this is a Donald Trump rule. This that's all. This is the only person who's ever going to be be prosecuted under something like this. Because to your point, this is just to quote unquote get Trump. But he said, if that property were on the market today, I would list it around three hundred million minimum. And he has the separate golf course just a couple minutes away. And um, you you see uh, the Palm Beach assessor cited the valuation. This is what the judge said: cited the valuation that from eighteen million to twenty eight million between twenty eleven and twenty twenty one. But there's a difference between what a property is valued at and what market value is, right? That, so that we all know that if you ever, you go on Zillow, it'll tell you what your property market value is, but that may not be what the tax assessor has assessed your property at because that's like it's it's value if I were to rebuild it today. No, that's right. And that's why, look, when I was on the Federal Election Commission, we occasionally used to have to get into fair market value when we were trying to evaluate services, for example, that maybe a campaign had paid for and stuff. And let me tell you, six commissioners who were trying to, you know, do the right thing, we often had widely differing views of what the fair market value was of, of particular services and property. And when when we would get experts in to try to tell us, it was the same thing. And, and uh, again, prosecuting in a situation like this where there are disagreements about what the fair market of the, of, of the property was, and it's a situation, again, where there were no defaults, there was no loss of money, no one was defrauded uh, it makes this kind of prosecution extremely questionable. So what happens? They, they revoked his licenses now, his, his business certificates held by the Trump Organization and, and any other New York-based business associated with Trump or his family. And the judge mandated an independent third party to oversee the dissolution of the canceled LLCs. They're trying to dissolve his entire business empire. Can they do this as it works its way through the courts? Well, it, they're clearly going to appeal, and I would hope that the appeals courts in New York will be less prejudiced and less biased than this Manhattan judge and, frankly, the entire legal system that, that is uh, in the whole Manhattan area. But that's obviously the intent here. Um, 
they're so afraid of him from a political standpoint. Uh, they're so afraid he might uh, actually win re-election as president that they want to put him in jail. They want to destroy his wealth. They're willing to basically do anything to get him. And it seems like they, they believe the end justifies uh, the means. But, by the way, I think it was, uh, was it Joseph Stalin or somebody like that that said that, uh, you show me the man uh, you want to get, and I can figure out a way legally to prosecute him. And that seems to be the whole attitude uh, of the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. Yeah, that was a guy named Levrent. It gets it gets uh, as credited to Stalin often, but it was um, Soviet secret police chief Lavrenti Beria. Yeah. Um, he was a Stalinist era, but he was uh, from people of Poland, the People's Republic of Poland, and it was attributed to the Stalin era. But regardless, it's Stalinist in its in its um, leanings, and they're saying the quiet part out out, li- out loud with this. So the next step is this goes to uh, an appeals court, and if it's an appeals court in New York, we know what's going to happen, right? So it, all of these cases are going to slowly wend their way into uh, obviously Supreme Court, I think is what's going to happen, but the point is is to make Trump damage, try to bankrupt him so he can't run, and right. try to damage him so that he never gets to the Oval Office. One of the things Trump did was he has uh, he is not asking for the Georgia case to be moved to a federal court. He's deciding to have it tried in Georgia. Everybody thought he was going to move it to a federal court. Why is he having it tried in Georgia? I frankly am not sure I can explain that or why. I, I, I'm not sure I can understand. I understand that. Um, at the very least, if he could successfully remove it to federal court, he might actually get a slightly better jury pool than he's going to get in a state court uh, in Atlanta. Um, I mean, I I don't think in state court, I just don't think he's got a chance with any jury uh, they get in Fulton County. I'm very familiar with that county because I used to live there. Um, uh, Any jury he gets is going to want to find Trump guilty no matter what the facts of the law is, just because he's Donald Trump. Is it because someone had said something about double jeopardy? So if he gets if, if he's tried on the state level, he can't be tried on the federal level or vice versa. Does that come into play? I didn't understand the, the double jeopardy comments. No. In fact, a lot of people misunderstand that. Um, double jeopardy only applies to the same government. In other words, the federal government can't try you twice. A state government can't try you twice, but uh, the state government can prosecute you for a particular crime, and if it's also a crime under federal law, uh, the federal government can also prosecute you for it. And the fact that a state jury finds you innocent does not prevent, for example, the, the feds from going after you. I mean, that's one of the, frankly, defects in the double jeopardy clause in the Constitution. 
Uh, there's always a defect somewhere. Uh, and lastly, you wrote a very interesting piece that appears in the Daily Signal. If anyone wants to read it, it's called At West Point, Racism Becomes More Important Than Military Readiness. There is a lawsuit against Harvard, and it was um, filed by the same people that uh, filed the racism, you know, the racist admission suits against Harvard, uh, University of North Carolina. They've now filed this against West Point as well. What is happening at West Point? I thought West Point was one of those places super hard to get into. You had to have the grades. It was totally merit-based. Apparently, that's not what's happening now. No, and it hasn't been that way for a long time. Look, there's basically a two-step process. you got to pass, a, you know, obviously a physical and, and medical exam, and then you have to be nominated by either the president, the vice president, or a member of Congress. If you do all of that and you get a nomination... Then the admissions office selects from a huge pool of people. Only about 10% of those folks get yeah. in. And they have blatant, they're very open about this and arrogant about it. They have blatant racial quotas. And they measure, they measure whether they uh, reach those quotas in, in their incoming cadet class down to one-tenth of one percent. And the, the, the rates, they said, the, the racial quotas are based on the percentage, for example, of, of uh, uh, enlisted, the enlisted folks in the military. If the enlisted folks are, you know, 15 percent black, then <coughs> the admissions office says 15 percent of those cadets coming in have to be black. And it is a straight out racial quota. It's amazing because they just don't think that it's going to go in front of the Supreme Court. It's just the weirdest thing. There just seems to be like no acknowledgement of, oh, we're wasting our money because this is just going to go to the Supreme Court. But they get their funding from the feds, though, right? Oh, yeah. No, this is the U.S. military. But yeah, I, I, I think they they believe maybe that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights don't apply to them. And they're wrong. It's absolutely, man, we definitely have like this feeling now in this country that there are some who are above the law, the two-tiered system of justice, and they just don't think it applies to them. It's absolutely fascinating, fascinating. And one more quick question. I've got literally like one minute. Yesterday, the impeachment inquiry, I just want your take on it. What did you think? Did Did the Republicans do a good job or a bad job? I'm hearing both sides. Oh, no, they did a good job. Um, okay. The whole point of it was to set out the parameters of an impeachment right. inquiry. And there are three witnesses who came in, I think, did a good job of that, particularly Jonathan Turley, the consular law professor, who said, look, there is more than enough evidence to justify the opening up of an impeachment inquiry. And anybody who says differently, they're just wrong. Yeah, and they tried to smear him, and he finally got his say at the end. Hans von Spakovsky, thank you for joining me. Have a fantastic weekend. Follow him on Twitter, H. Von Spakovsky, uh, and uh, you will not be disappointed. And also on The Daily Signal, uh, you can find his columns there as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. 1-800-922-6680. If you want to jump in, have any comments, we would love to hear from you. That's next on The Rob Carson Show. Happy Friday. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. And I'm with you on Monday again as well. So excited about that. Weekend's coming up. 1-800-922-6680. We're wrapping it up here. Uh, Sean in Live Oak, California wants to talk about the debate. Sean, you're on The Rob Carson Show. Hi. 
Yeah, greetings from West Libertadia. <laughs> I love when you say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I guess it was in the first debate, but uh, Mike Pence was talking about as the uh, president of the Senate during January 6th how he had to uh, ignore the pleas to do something about the election irregularities, and he just rubber-stamped the election. And from my point of view, I think the founders put that in the Constitution as that was a final check and balance on election. So I, 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 I see Mike Pence as basically shirking his duties. He took the easy way out, and he didn't do the necessary hard thing. Well, you know, listen, I, I, I don't know enough about what he should have or could have done at that point. Could he have said, wait a minute, we need to have, there's some questions here. We need to, let's, we have these, need to have these questions answered. Could he have? Maybe. I, I don't know. But I got to tell you, listen, it's got to be tough working for Donald Trump. I, I, I think he is the best president in my lifetime. I think he did a great job, but I can't imagine working for the man's easy, right? He demands perfection, and I understand that, but nobody's perfect. And I think that it's really hard, and and I don't know how Mike Pence did it for all those years. He was a good soldier for a really long time. I I can't condemn him for what he did, because I I just don't think I know enough about what really happened to be able to do that. Well, the thing that bothers me is he he puts up uh, passing the buck is a good thing. That's the the highest, most ethical thing he could have done, and I see it as the exact opposite. He took a very... Mm-hmm. We've had three years of Biden now. It's been an absolute disaster. Well, listen, the Republicans, though, don't fight. The Republicans in general could have said, you know, when, when they were legalizing all this stuff, they should have gone to court. They should have fought all of this voting by mail in the last minute and changes and everything else. But the Republicans don't fight. They don't do that. They don't play the game because they're above it. They need to learn how to play the game. You may not like the game, but oh, well, that's the rules. And that's what Donald Trump is saying. Ronna McDaniel should be sitting with Scott Pressler and laying out a national plan for for uh, enrolling young people across this country for ballot harvesting across this country. Democrats are doing it. Kamala Harris is on a a college tour and at each stop they have a group of Gen Z uh, they have a a group that they've organized and they go and they register all of those college kids at each one of those tour stops. What are Republicans doing? And this is what needs to be done. If there's another stopping of the count in the middle of the night we got it. We have to go after it and, and start fighting. Got a runch on. Thank you so much because we got one more round of calls coming up on the Rob Carson Show. Happy Friday, Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. I'll be back in on Monday with you. Uh, thank you to Rob and Ken and Brian and Lee for letting me sit in the seat. Thank you to you for joining me. Follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. I appreciate it. Have a great, blessed weekend. Stay safe, and I'll see you on Monday.